passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand for Buffalo, New York. Today is Sunday, March 26th, 2023. We're a week away from WrestleMania, and joining us, as usual, is um, the Ernie Johnson of, of WrestleNomics, the bow tie wearing Chris Gullo. Hello. I prefer and, and, Ernie Johnson comparison more than when you say Dr. Carlson. So thank you for that. Well, there's, there's many, many major television stars who wear a bow tie. Uh, who, who you may be paying tribute to? It's it's er, completely it's speculative. Ernie Johnson. There we go. I okay. like that one. Okay, okay. And uh, I think f- fresh off his skiing trip, that's what that was actually two weeks ago, wasn't no, it? No, I was. That was last week. That was last two week. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. No. <clears throat> the skiing season in the the East is is pretty much wrapped up. Um, yeah, out in the Rockies in the Sierra Nevada, they'll be skiing until May. This where did you first. ski? Are there mountains? This was not far away from from where you live. Uh yeah. I mean, it depends on your far away. It's about three hours north okay. of where I live in New Hampshire and Maine. Is primarily where and I there's ski. mountains up there. Oh yeah, there's yeah. you know, not not quite as large as like the big resorts like out in the Rockies, like Steamboat Springs or or Jackson Hole or those places, oh. but pretty pretty sizable outside of the that area like pretty sizable mountains to ski um and there's a bunch of them too um, it's one of the perks of living in new england is that's excellent for skiing okay i've never skied in my life you're a ski goal uh yeah i tried it once i didn't like it I, i'm imagining you now on some skis and this is this is a, a pretty yeah I, amazing i thought. did not i did not like it i did try to snowboarding a little bit we have some pretty decent uh um places here yeah you guys have hills out yeah, there yeah so we, um, yeah. I didn't ski start skiing until I was an adult. I think I didn't ski until I was like twenty one. Um and a lot of people start as children, which helps a lot, I think. Um but I, I mean I have a I love skiing. I have a blast doing it. So any uh any, any Gwyneth Paltrow incidents? Did you did you run over anybody and cause them uh I uh, two weeks ago when I was at Sunday River in uh western Maine and I cr- I crushed somebody on the trail. Like, really? I don't think I wasn't injured. I don't think this person was injured, but they were like going very, they were going very slow and they were, but they kind of, they appeared to be under control and I was going much fast. No, no, I was going pretty fast, but it was also on a green trail. So there's, there's a limit to how fast you can go on a trail like that. And I was going like straight in towards the very left end of the trail, which is kind of what you're supposed to do. If someone's going slow, you kind of give them a wide lane and you go past them on the left, just like you're driving on the highway. And this person just decided to swerve like way too far to the left. So they were going to come into my lane. And I was like, look out, look out, look out. And then I just plowed into them. I knocked my skis off my feet. I knocked their skis off their feet. 
Um, but this sounds this sounds like a dangerous activity. Like like oh, John Denver died. It's very dangerous. skiing, right? Yeah, it, it's not it's not very dangerous. I am a very I'm a pretty risk averse person. Like I, I'm I'm afraid of of a, like a lot of like. Sonny Bono, yeah, Sonny Bono. Like, didn't, didn't they didn't they both die skiing in, in like a short time apart? Um, well, what's her name? Didn't she? Wasn't there an actress who died? Like she she um, she got in a skiing accident and then she was like on life support for like a decent amount of time and then she died. It was a, I think it was a famous actress. It might have been a famous model. It was probably like ten years ago, maybe further back. Um, but I don't think skiing's I don't think skiing is that dangerous. If you have control if you if you know how to break and you know how to be under control, um, you can you could pretty much ski anywhere without too much risk. It's like obviously there are there's backcountry yeah. skiing and, and untrailed skiing, which opens up a whole other can of worms, but um I don't know. I like it. On average, I recommend 40, it to anybody. Forty two deaths a year, so uh that that's higher than zero. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, speaking of uh, things that are high risk and, and, and may uh, harm your health, we have uh, some Vince McMahon to talk about today. Um, but also, if you want to participate and uh, contribute a super chat and ask a question, we will uh, we will take your question with the super chat you're watching live on YouTube. Also, remember to like, share, subscribe. It helps people find uh, this video. Uh, but uh, we'll start with. The filing that came out yesterday evening, these always come out after the close of the market, an 8K filing. And that means WWE has to report something that is material to their business that they should let investors know about. So this came out yesterday, Friday, right? No, it came out Friday, so not yesterday. Friday afternoon, today's Sunday. Um, and WWE reported that on March 20th, which was Monday, right? So this is the reporting on an action that happened on Monday. W entered into a reimbursement agreement with Vincent K. McMahon, the company's executive chairman, director, and controlling stockholder. The agreement provides that Mr. McMahon will pay the company approximately $17.4 million to reimburse the company for the costs that have been incurred and paid by the company and or its subsidiaries through January 31st of this year in connection with and or arising from the investigation conducted by a special committee of the company's board of directors related revisions to the company's financial statements and other related matters. Such payment was made on March 23rd. That is Thursday. The agreement further provides that McMahon will also review in good faith and reimburse the company for any additional costs incurred after that point. Um, the agreement also includes a release of Mr. McMahon by the company regarding the recovery of the costs described above and a release of the company by Mr. McMahon regarding the investigation and related matters described above. That last paragraph is maybe a little bit ambiguous to me. But in, in any case, this investigation that's been happening since, oh, you know, since I, I think this investigation started in, in March or April of last year into the sexual misconduct allegations against Vince McMahon and against John Laurinaitis. Um, and we've seen some some details in Dodie's disclosures about how much this uh, investigation has cost. Uh, WWE reported in its February and in its most recent earnings release that there was $21.7 million dollars. Uh, of expenses related to the special committee investigation and that, that Vince had agreed to pay net of any insurance proceeds had agreed to pay the expenses for that. So he is, so maybe that's, that's accounting for the difference. Vince paying $17.4 million 
personally for the investigation, which they have disclosed in the entire year of 2022, which is the entirety. It, it took place entirely in the calendar year, probably from April to November. They say it, it, they concluded the investigation in November, and they're saying that it cost $21.7 million. So maybe a few million dollars, about $4 million of that was covered by insurance, and the rest apparently being paid by Vince personally. Does that sound like a lot of money for an investigation? I know they had a, a special law firm that they hired uh, to, to help them with this investigation. But uh, some somebody did raise to me, isn't that a lot of money for an investigation? And I said, I don't know. I, but maybe, maybe not, though. It's also There's also, we don't know how much time this really occupied the board of directors. Yeah. And those people. We know, we know in a calendar space, but we don't know, like, in terms of hours yeah. or something like that. But those people were probably compensated for whatever time they spent doing that. Um. I don't know that. I mean, this was a major story. It was obviously a major threat to their business. Vince resigned pretty quickly after it happened. So obviously he's back now, but I think they obviously took it very seriously. Um, and that's probably reflecting how much money they spent um, to investigate it. And then plus Vince, plus Vince was going to pay them back a bunch of money. So does it really matter if Vince is going to pay them back? Spare Vince no expense. Is, what do you mean? Because the com- Vince Vince paid the company back, reimbursed them, correct? Yeah, that that's what this is reporting. That he's paid seventeen point four right. million dollars. Right. So, like, the, if, the like if, if I'm running the investig- if I'm running the investigation on this guy, and I'm like, well, he's gonna reimburse us for the said investigation, and he's so who cares how much we spend? Millionaire. We're not. We're gonna spare no expense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would keep in mind like, when we're talking about like how much money Vince has. Much of that money is not liquid. It's it's. Overwhelm, I, I believe overwhelmingly his net worth is, is in his stock, which he has to be careful about liquidating and, and only on you know rare occasion has he liquidated a large right. part when, of it, including for when, when he was getting talk, ready for the when XFL. We, when we talk about his net worth, we're not talking about a Scrooge McDuck scenario where he has a swimming pool full of gold that he can swim through. And that's his you know $3 billion or whatever his net worth is, right? Now at the yeah. moment, and, and, and I would suggest, in terms of like cash flow, he had to take out a loan with Morgan Stanley, a margin loan against his shares to, after the XFL went bankrupt. So I would think, you know, Vince is not necessarily yes, he's a billionaire on paper. He's not necessarily um, like cash rich compared yes. to maybe some other very wealthy people. Minus strong delay here. No, no. Okay. So and, and some, some background for this. Uh, in December, there was a letter uh, that was written by the board. This was part of the disclosures that came out in, in January this year when Vince made his return. And we got uh, three letters. Uh, one was from the board to Vince where, he was, where they were writing together as a board in response to, to Vince McMahon um, and basically telling him, uh, you know, you owe us money for this. We've received a demand letter from shareholders saying that we should sue you for the cost of this investigation. So rather than that, why don't you sign an agreement saying you won't come back to the company and uh, we won't sue you over it? So what does the letter actually say? The The attached draft letter uh, is an agreement that, that the board will, will not agree to the shareholder demand letter. Uh, that the company files suit against you on the conditions that you confirm your commitment to repay all of the investigation-related expenses incurred by the company and that you agree not to serve as an officer, director, or employee of the company during 
dependency of government investigations. Those conditions in the draft letter agreement reflecting such conditions were unanimously approved by the board prior to receiving your December 30 letter and reaffirmed, yada, yada. So, you know, this this was part of the uh, the hostage negotiation, if you will, between WD's board and, and Vince McMahon, where Vince was, was saying, I'm coming back to the company and, and I'm not going to let you make any TV deal or make any company transaction until I'm back in the company and I have the power to do it and I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. And this was the board's attempt to try to negotiate with him saying, hey, we've received a shareholder demand letter. We don't know more about that, by the way, other than the board's reference to that shareholder demand letter. And we don't know much about the government investigations that the board makes reference to in this letter either um, beyond maybe some Wall Street reports that have allusions to it. Um, but this was part of the, the negotiation that, that ultimately resulted in Vince forcing his way back into the company in, in January. I mean, we know Vince got what he want got what he wanted. Yes. He got back into power, so obviously, whatever. Does he have everything that he wants yet, though? I mean, I think I'm in the belief that we're seeing like him like make like a, a soft play back into creative control of the company. He's taking little baby steps to mm-hmm. to gradually Will there be bring reports? himself. Well, by, by the time we talk again, it'll be a week from now. One night of WrestleMania will be in the books. Will, will there be reports at that point for us to talk about on Sunday morning about Vince McMahon is present at uh, SoFi Stadium? I don't think – I think there's a non-zero chance that Vince comes out during WrestleMania. Like – I think I think that's less likely, but, but I think it's it, – pretty likely that he'll be there in the back at least oh absolutely and i think like you don't think vince will come out at wrestlemania and he'll get like a ovation from the crowd which is what he wants and he doesn't maybe he doesn't even say anything maybe he just comes out maybe he says thank you but then just turns around and walks back away and then we get a report like a few hours later just saying vince just wanted to come out in front of the audience he wasn't backstage he wasn't wearing a headset uh he's, did you see he was wearing a mustache isn't that wacky um We'll, pro- we'll get that, and then people will probably move on and be like, oh, come on. He, he wasn't really making any decisions. Or if he was making decisions, he was making creative decisions that were bad, and the good decisions that we liked were made by Triple H. Yeah, I, I think it's – I would be surprised. I think it's a story if he's not – if there aren't reports that he's there. And I think – I mean it's a story either way. But I think I would be surprised if he's not – present in some capacity um you can make the justification or at least the excuse that well he's there i mean it's it's wrestlemania and there's so many business partners potential suitors and tv he's partners in los there. angeles with all the right. television that there's people. there's uh, an important reason for him to be there because he's the one who's so involved with the the talks of, of a sale so why wouldn't he be there um but I, I i do continue to believe that he's being careful here and making a slow roll towards coming back to the company. And I think once once a TV deal and or a company transaction is out of the way and there's in his presence does not affect uh, those negotiations, I think then the path is clear for him to make more of a return to creative without causing problems. Uh, so I've seen him by the summer or something like that. Make more of a public return to creative. I think like, you know, I, I tend to think, you know, is, is he involved in, in the creative now? In, in Maybe in some respects. I don't believe he's involved in any meetings, any creative meetings or anything like that. Uh, he may be having conversations with Paul Levesque. Yet on the other hand, I, I, 
I question like what really is the relationship between Paul Levesque and Vince McMahon. Um, so, well, you know, Paul Levesque has told us, I guess it's poss- possibly that he's lying, but it doesn't seem like something that you would lie about. Like he's told us that he's talks with Vince about how to run the company. So we know that that's not like a mystery. It's more of the, is Vince making key creative decisions? Is he changing things backstage? Is he ordering pre-tapes because somebody used the word wrestling? We used the word wrestling. As yeah. was reported. And and how much of, of things like that could just be happening to be like, oh, Vince is over there on the horizon. We better not piss him off. We better like well, make sure we do things in well, a way that doesn't raise his ire and, and, and aggravate him. And, well, and lead to his further comeback. I, I've been of the belief that I haven't noticed a gigantic shift in like the tone of WWE programming since Triple H officially took over. I think a lot of it, Vince's fingerprints are still all over the product. And that is not necessarily because Vince is running creative or Vince is ch- ripping up scripts and rewriting things. I think that there's a writing staff and in some cases, Triple H is is one of these people as well. But there's a writing staff and there's people like Bruce Pritchard whose mm-hmm. careers are writing for Vince. And their presentation of wrestling is what Vince wants. So, yeah, when somebody calls Johnny Gargano, Johnny Garden Gnome, does that seem like a Vince thing? Yeah. Does that mean that Vince is the person who wrote it? No, it just means that somebody who usually writes for Vince is also still writing the show. And so they're going to write what they know and what they've done in the past, which is to write for Vince. And so his influence has always been over the product and always over the Raw um, and SmackDown shows, even if he has totally, absolutely no input whatsoever on the shows, just because the experience that a lot of these people that are writing the show have is working underneath Vince McMahon. So his influence is going to be on the company, you know, forever. I, I, th- I think Vince McMahon might be secretly booking AEW Dynamite and Rampage sometimes even. Vince's, I was about to, I was, you know, I was going to actually add Brandon, that Vince's influence is over all of wrestling. Yep. Yes. I think uh, it's, it's, it's some, some referee. There, it, it, like yeah. Nick Patrick. Yeah, Nick Patrick. Yes, we, we, it's all the work, man. Yeah, we won't entertain that anymore, but it's just, just to throw that out there. Um, speaking of WrestleMania, ticket, ticket update from WrestleTix, tickets distributed. Night one is at over 62,000. Night two is just under 63,000 as of, what is this, Wednesday? The 23rd, Thursday. So how does that compare to where, where, where WrestleMania was at at about the same point last year? So I got as close as I can to, to the WrestleTix updates of last year. Um, so WrestleMania last year was on the second and the third. WrestleMania this year is on the first and the second. So WrestleMania is taking place one day later last year so it's taking place one day earlier this year anyway so i got estimates we don't have this exactly matched up right but we have estimates from last year on, on march 24th for day one last year on march 28th for day two and suffice to say it's a little bit lower last year at about the same point at about the same point last year day one is at sixty-one thousand. day two is at sixty thousand, which again is is lower than where it's at now Day one is at 62,000. Day one is at 63,000. So on pace, I would say it's fair to say on pace to out out tickets distributed last year's tickets distributed. Uh, so that's where that's at. SoFi Stadium is operated by a private company. When I last I looked, 
So I don't know if there's going to be any public rec- records requests we can make to clarify how much, how many, how many tickets were really sold. Um, maybe there's some city things, some local government things, but, we, we but I don't call, expect to have, a, have an obvious answer. But we will have a, an answer in terms of um, W's attendance reports will give us a range within which the paid attendants must have fallen if they continue to break out. Here's our average with WrestleMania. Here's our average without WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, maybe we can get Stan Kroenke to leak it to us since he's big enemies of Vince McMahon and he owns the stadium. But um, we talked about this, I think, last week where it didn't really make sense to me that well, – because when we talked last week, this is before the update from WrestleTix. Yes. Um, it looked like WrestleTix And I, and I did not – I, I, I did not do what I should have done is, is try to find a number that is as close as possible in the same number of mm-hmm. days away from WrestleMania. Right, but we talked a little bit about how it was a little bit strange that WrestleMania this year seemed to be a little bit behind WrestleMania last year, given the ticket-selling trends across the company um, are much higher this year than they were last year. Um, and so this latest update makes a lot of sense in kind of rectifying that. I was going to ask, do you is there any significance at all to the two days having about the same tickets distributed um, is that can, – can we read anything into that as far as is night one a better night for drawing naturally because it's a Saturday night as opposed to a Sunday night? We really only – I think like for the – now, they, they've clarified some of this in the last few days. But I think kind of the only thing we really knew about the card heading into a few days ago was that night two was going to have Cody versus Roman Reigns, which everyone figured because that's the, the biggest match and that's closest night two. And then night one was going to have, I think the rumor was it was going to be Charlotte versus Rhea closing it. But I don't even think WWE announced that being official. So we didn't really know that much about the difference in the cards, except that Reigns and Rhodes would be on night two as opposed to night one. Um, yeah. According so- to Wikipedia, it's Reigns and Rhodes night two. And the only matches that have been explicitly announced other than that is for, for night one, Austin Theory and John Cena. Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. There are obviously a lot of other matches that are announced, but none of them have knights designated yet. I think Cena and Logan Paul are big enough draws to kind of have that ticket number be equal to night two. Right, but we just found out that Cena's wrestling night one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like on Friday, right? I think people expect it because uh-huh. he got Austin last year on night one. I think people expect a big name on night one. All right. So, yeah. So does Austin wrestling in night one create a precedent where people expect something like that to happen in night one again? Um, that's true. I think not clearly. So to be clear, like so last year, and I think it ends up we have another slide. They'll they'll check on this. But, I, but night one ends up being slightly bigger than night two. And this year, night two is the one that's slightly bigger. Right. But they're yeah, I guess they're about even. Um I'm, I'm, I guess if I, you were asking me this, I would say there's no significance between the two nights being similar. I don't think it kind of proves someone be, is a draw or someone's not a draw. Um, I think I think there might be something to – I think maybe Saturday is a better night for drawing because it's Saturday. And if you're flying in for WrestleMania weekends, maybe you think about being able to fly out Sunday instead of flying out Monday. Maybe. Okay, I'm sorry. Night two last year was about a thousand higher. We've been over this. Um, I think. I think we talked. I, 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 I'm having a total 
Mandela effect with the night one and night two last year. I swear night one was higher last year and it was announced night two was announced as being higher. And then everyone talked about how night one was actually higher. And that was something that we talked about for months afterwards. And now all of a sudden night two is higher than night one last year. That's what I have in the slides. So I'm going to look directly at the, at the WrestleTick spreadsheet right now. And, and April 3rd. I believe WrestleTix has night two higher B now, but I, I am, I swear I'm having a Mandela effect. This is a yeah, Baron Steen versus Baron Stain Bears moment for me. Night, night two, that is just over 1,000 higher than night one last year. Mm-hmm. And it's less, it's only a few hundred difference at this point. Right. For this year's WrestleMania. Realistically, both nights should be the same because you imagine a majority of people that are interested in going in night one are interested in going to night two. People are flying in, they're going to go to both nights of WrestleMania. So there really shouldn't be that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, Logically, and if we also accept that, like the main draw of the event is WrestleMania and the brand name and the running a big stadium and all of those things, the individual matches are less like are less likely to sway one person from going to one night and not the other. Mm-hmm. It's all the, about the WrestleMania experience. Um, so the the just looking at the tickets distributed counts. For this year's events around WrestleMania weekend versus last year, and everything is up. Everything, you know, the 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 arena events, let's call them, the ones that aren't the WrestleMania Stadium events, are all significantly higher already than than their final numbers last year. Um Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor on Friday. Did I not like put this in chronological order? I guess I didn't. Um so Supercard of Honor, which is on Friday, had thirty nine hundred or I'm sorry, had just about 2,000 last year, and is now already at 3,900. Uh, SmackDown and Hall of Fame are both well ahead of wh- where it was last year. Last year, 12,000. This year, over 14,000 already, right now. Um, and that's, I was looking at the ticket maps before we started recording, and there's like, there's some obstructed view seating that's left, and obviously you can go to resale and get in for about $50 for, for all of these events, as well as Forbidden Door, which we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, SmackDown Hall of Fame, well above where it was last year. Uh, NXT stand and deliver well above where it was last year, about 4,400 last year, about 6,800 right now, right now. So it's going to end up higher than that. Um, and raw, the, the raw after WrestleMania, uh, 10,400 last year, well over 15,000 right now. And I don't know if, if some of this, I, I, I don't think that American airlines necessarily sold out because 10,000 doesn't sound like a sellout to me in, in basically any NBA sized arena. Right. But, but 15,300 for, um, what is the crypto.com arena in, in LA? Um, so everything's Denver up. Stable center. Yeah. I mean, WWE right now is selling an absurd amount of tickets for everything for house shows for their TV tapings. Um, They might have 10,000 people tonight for a house show in Denver, which is, I don't know when the last time they drew 10,000 people to a house show in Denver was, but uh, they, they are, I felt like a couple of years ago. So I guess even be pre pandemic, um, like a 10th WWE drawing 10,000 people to like a raw or SmackDown felt pretty rare. And now it seems like, especially in the build-up to WrestleMania, it's happening at least once a week. 
I know they had a huge audience in St. Louis for Raw on Monday. They had a huge audience for SmackDown the uh, week before. They had almost 10,000 people, just a shade under 10,000 people at the MGM Grand Arena for SmackDown on uh, Friday. Mm -hmm. They have almost 10,000 people for this this show in Denver. That's a house show. Um, A year ago, they had Raw in Denver, and they drew like 6,000 people. And now a house show is drawing, you know, 3,000 more. Um, So their ticket sales, both Raw and both SmackDown, and I haven't really investigated, like, who's who's on all these shows, who's on these house shows that are doing so well. They are through the roof in a lot of cases. Um, And it's... You've got to give a lot of credit to to everyone involved. Triple H, in charge of creative. Uh, Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, the big stars that are appearing on these shows. Um, Almost Dominic. Dominic, like, uh, you know, whatever, whatever act you want to say is hot right now. And they have a few. Um, And obviously, I think like the bloodline is the biggest and and Cody is the biggest. But they are really really drawing very well. I mean, they are, they, they, in St. Louis, they're crushing dynamite. Like raw did, I think like 14,000 or something in St. Louis on Monday and dynamite's going to be there on Wednesday and dynamite's probably going to do like a little over 3000. So they're doing like four times dynamite's attendance. And the gap was not that big between the two of them. There was a, this past Monday's St. Louis raw, 12,500, uh, Independence, Missouri. This is so. This has already happened. That's three thousand nine hundred. Uh, but I don't have. I'd have to look to to get the uh, the St. Louis number. It's, it, Independence, Missouri, and St. Louis are like right near each other, aren't they? Because I, I was no, no, no. Independence no. is near Kansas. City. Yeah, that's Kansas. Missouri. Kansas City, like suburb, I think. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they are running the two. I mean, they're on opposite sides of Missouri. They're pretty far apart. So. Um, I think running right after WWE is probably not helping AEW's ticket sales, um, especially with how expensive tickets are and WWE's prices are higher and AEW's prices are higher than they were. Last you know, count is just about 3000 for Dynamite. In yeah, sales. that's why I, I think 3, they'll, Dynamite's doing actually better walk-up numbers um, as of late. I think, like I, like I think I mentioned this last week, but I think AEW's ticket selling patterns are, are becoming more like WWE and how quickly and in kind of, the trends on when they sell the tickets, doing a little bit more business later in the window uh, than previously. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's say let's say that show does thirty two hundred. That's that's still that's that's a quarter of what WWE just did. And there was a time where there was a, there was I think it was was a Q one of twenty twenty two when Dynamite outdrew Raw for that quarter, just straight up. And now we're in Q one of 2023 and they're in this, they're running in the same market and back to back weeks and raw is, is quadrupling dynamites, a tense figure. Um, just, I will tell I think you. So you good. said Q1 2021 is, is, is 2022. Wasn't it? Was there, that's what there was a, right. No, we have an average of about 5,000 to, to raw 65 to, to smack down 7,000. Um, this is by quarter. I know there were some months, but we I don't think we have any quarters for where Dynamite mm-hmm. is doing better than either Raw or SmackDown. We have Q2 where it comes pretty close to, to Raw. Dynamite does okay. 63 to 68. Um, but if we go by month, I'm pretty sure you could take like September, right? 
and say right. Dynamite did 10,000. Yeah. So I've got them hidden here. 10,000 to 7,000 to 9,000 Raw and SmackDown, respectively. So there are months where Dynamite has averaged higher, mostly in the right. you know, and, CM and now Punk we're seeing, and, and now we're seeing a huge, a huge gap develop. And I, I don't like talking about the gap as much because I think it leads to a lot of doomsplaining. But um, I think it goes, but it goes to show, I think just in WWE's end, how much better they are selling tickets right now uh, than they were. And how I think like – In June of last know, year, Dynamite beating, was higher. Beating, beating Sami Zayn at Elimination Chamber when it seemed like Sami Zayn was the real hot guy for WWE and you could make a case that he should have won the title and you still can make that case. Um, that has not – slow down WWE's business. It's not like we've seen a noticeable drop in ratings or live attendance since They didn't that kill happens. the territory. They did not kill the territory. I do think there might be some long-term implications of that. Like in six months, is Sami Zayn still going to be as featured of an act as he is right now? I hope he is, but don't know if he is going to. Um, but for the moment, it hasn't slowed them down at all. And if we look at um, I had this later on. We'll jump to it now. If we look at tickets distributed averages for each quarter of the last three quarters compared to – because now we have year-over-year differences. I guess this is what I was trying to focus on in this slide. We now have WrestleTix numbers that are you know like-to-like, and we have year-over-year differences because WrestleTix has been falling this entire period since the return to touring in July 2021. So Q1. Against the same, you know, against the same period last year, Q1, and we're almost through Q1. Q1 will end at the end of the month, and SmackDown is up 36%. This is average. Raw is up 48%. Dynamite, having gone to a lot of new markets in this quarter, is up 16%. The Rampage tapings are flat. Um, so the shows so are up 16%. So you're right. You're, you're, you seem to be showing television trends on this chart. And TV ratings. So the TV ratings are the, are this table, which I'm not talking okay. about right now. But I'm, I'm talking about. I should have labeled this this table. Yes, it's not clear that this is this is tickets distributed, but it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so get, get, you see the house show here, and I put these letters. Yeah. I didn't I didn't label this table, but uh, when it comes to TV ratings, people can talk about how how much better WWE is and and uh, the bloodline angle all they want, but there is there is only one. Wrestling shows, uh, pr- wrestling companies' pr- uh, TV ratings that are up in the demo year over year, and that's AEW. So AEW is the only company with a de- demo that's up year over year. Wait a minute, no, it's WWE. They're up. NXT is up in the demo. Raw is up in the demo. SmackDown okay, is up no, in the demo. I don't know why. Why did you set it up like that? To be an You're idiot. Just, I, I, you just totally confused me. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no. Um. But so so, W is the only one year over year in Q1 that's up both in total viewership and the demo. Uh, NXT is down in total viewership as I guess they're 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 turning off some of their P50 Plus crowd or something. I don't think there's anything anything significant there. But um, but Dynamite is down twenty three percent in the demo, nine percent overall. So I think I think that's reflective of a genuine substantial decline in interest in in AEW. Um. We're now getting into these – I mean, the, we've had Rampage year-over-year comparisons for three quarters, right? But if you, if you want to say, well, that that first period, that first quarter, you know, that first month certainly, that was an extraordinary Rampage situation. In any case, still we got Rampage down in, in January, February, March, 
in the demo, 39%. Um, while Raw and SmackDown are up marginally in total viewership, but pretty strongly in the demo. Up Raw is up in the demo, 13% in Q1. I know they had some really strong January episodes coming after uh, the Royal Rumble and what the Legends episode or whatever, but still that this is including February and March also. Yeah, like the, obviously the Raw Thirty was a massive episode, Raw 30, um, but that's only one week. And you know, if they're was they're that do a point that do a point seven zero in the demo. That sounds right. Um, and so they're not hitting that, but they're they're right around about point five five point five six. Um, up to 0.60. So, and it does feel like, you know, I think that it's not just, um, you know, Oh, John Cena came in for a month and is, is raised business. They have with Roman, the the John Cena episode of SmackDown, which was in December, did extraordinarily well. Right. His appearance on raw was not anything that, Mm -hmm. that much bigger than usual. He sold a lot of tickets, but, um, to, to, it's to me though there's a lot which makes this growth one of the reasons you see the consistent growth i think is that you look at the the show and it's 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 like a, it's a storyline what's what's drawing business in is maybe it's just one storyline maybe it's a few but it's storylines and characters that are not nostalgia acts that are active wrestlers and that people enjoy seeing each week and they're not trying to um, relive the past. They're trying to focus on a current active story. And we're seeing where Sami Zayn is going and where Cody is going and, and Roman Reigns and the Usos are going. And um, I personally don't like the storyline, but there's no denying that it's had a huge benefit to their business and has a sustainability factor that I think a lot of WWE business has lacked when they've been relying on not just like John Cena or the rock or, or triple H doing a match, but even someone like Brock Lesnar to kind of anchor business around. This is a real, this is using the actual active roster of people that are there every week. And I think that's, you know, also reflected in the house shows business going up. Cody Rhodes works these house shows. Sami Zayn works these house shows. People want to pay to see those guys wrestle. And yeah. um, that and if is you want to see something difference. even more extreme, if we look at the difference year over year in 18 to 34, the younger half of the demo, Gull and I are not even represented in this demo anymore. And that's Raw is up in Q. Well, that's this in March. Okay. Raw is up in March so far. They'll have one more episode of, of Raw in, in March. 76% with the younger half of the demo, Raw, up in, in March. Mm-hmm. It was up 46%. It's actually down. In January, now we're dealing with eighteen to thirty-four, so that's going to be a smaller portion of the audience, certainly than eighteen to forty-nine. I mean, you know, obviously, I don't think that that demographic is so small in in, in this case that it's going to produce a ton of artificial volatility that we see in trying to look at this in, in something like Impact, where we're talking about, I don't know, a, a few tens of thousands of viewers. We're talking about, I think, hundreds of thousands of viewers still when it comes to when it comes to Raw and SmackDown. Let's say we're still dealing with how much. 262,000 last last week, so about that. We're in the couple hundreds of thousands of viewers. Um, and SmackDown is up 18%. And NXT is up 76%, the same as Raw. I almost wonder if I'm not referencing the right numbers here, because they're all exactly the same. That's concerning. Okay, we'll, we'll take that, that slide off the screen then. I'll look at that later. Um, but anyway, 
it, it seems to be Raw and SmackDown way up, especially with younger viewers. And we do see that, mm-hmm. you know, we look at the median age trends and we see sort of Raw getting slightly younger, SmackDown getting slightly younger. So, And, and again, this is because, partly because they've built it around, I don't want to say necessarily new stars because these guys have been on TV for a while, but they're built around contemporary acts. They're not reliving the glory days from the Attitude Era or the Ruthless Aggression Era. I, I think the I think the best thing really to happen to WWE's business, and it's crazy to say, is like The Rock and Steve Austin aren't doing something for WrestleMania. Like, would would I would business business would they be doing this business if the Sammy storyline and the Cody storyline was not was 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 like some sort of mid card feud, and instead Roman Reigns was feuding with The Rock, and The Rock was there like every four weeks to to do a promo. I guess like it depends like what what happens to the to the bloodline storyline if if Rock is committed to a match is it do they they probably still do that Montreal Elimination Chamber show in, in the way that they did it right um, I, I don't know I don't I don't know. maybe the Rock wrestles maybe like the Rock and Sami Zayn are tagging I have no idea um, that would obviously draw huge business I, I but I, I think just even in the in the week leading up to so. If the Rock was there, I think ratings I, are even stronger than they are. If, if yeah, the Rock if the Rock was there, if the Rock was there and Steve Austin was there, they were both working matches at WrestleMania or whatever. I would, I would imagine that ratings and business would be really strong, maybe even stronger than they are right now. But after WrestleMania, what are you doing? And that comes back to like the sustainability factor. Now I have confidence that this momentum maybe maybe it's going to peak at wrestlemania because it kind of always does but the momentum that they have in the character and the, the support that they have out of the characters they have right now i have confidence that that's going to stick around post wrestlemania and people are going to be interested in seeing what cody rhodes is going to do after wrestlemania what Sami Zayn and kevin owens going to do after they may do they beat the usos at wrestlemania what happens after that what happens to roman reigns if he loses the title at wrestlemania all of that stuff i think can, can lead to to the momentum in the business and the interest all being there post-WrestleMania as opposed to the Rock and Steve Austin were anchoring WrestleMania. Obviously, WrestleMania would be huge, but after that, it's kind of back to square one with WWE storytelling. This That's why I use the word sustainability because I do think that what they've built over the last six months or so, because they're relying on current stars and current acts and people that are going to be working house shows and people that are going to be on Raw and SmackDown every week, has this new level of sustained business success that has kind of been missing from WWE for a very long time. Um, and remember, if you have uh, a question or comment, throw in a super chat, and we will touch on one more ticketing issue here, is that Forbidden Door, uh, we talked about this on Thursday after the pre-sale had happened, and then on Friday, the general on-sale has now happened, and the show is essentially sold out, I, b- I would say. Um, if you look at the t- ticket map, you can find, I did find one standard price ticket. That was about a hundred dollars. One, one ticket. Other than that, there's the platinum tickets, which start at eight ninety nine Canadian. Um, and then of course there's resale. You can get in for $50 still. Um, but this is show is essentially sold out. I would say, um, for Toronto, um, maybe I'll be there. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, tickets distributed, uh, WrestleTix has it at 12,865. As of what must have been Friday, Friday, Friday night. So uh, doing better than Revolution, 
certainly in terms of number, I mean, this is doing better than probably any AEW pay-per-view since, um, since the forbidden door last year. I, you know, what's weird is I was told that nobody cares about Japanese stars and that Tony Khan shouldn't book for niche interests that only indie smarks like, and yet their <clears> biggest <throat> event is a show essentially built around dr- potential dream matches <clears throat> between two, another promotion. So. Well, let, let's, let's, let's do the test then. Okay. Is Chris Gull, you're married. Yes. Tell me, tell me two facts about Genichiro Tenru. Go. About, about Tenru? Like, I mean, I, I'm not super familiar with Tenru, but I know obviously New Japan star. And hey, he was in the WWE Royal Rumble. New Japan star? Or, or, all, all, Japan star. Yeah, it was all Japan. Yeah, but he was in the Royal Rumble. He was Rumble. in New Japan. He, he, was he had New matches Japan. in New Japan. Yeah. He was never signed to New Japan. Yes. He was in all Japan. He might have, was he also in, um, is it him that had the the that his own promotion? Is that uh is that Tenru? Yes. 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 What's the name of it? It's it's all the top of my head. It's uh, I want to say it starts with an S, but I could be wrong. Proving once and for all that if if you're married, you don't know that much about. Listen, I know a lot about modern Japanese. <laughs> okay, I got to go back and watch the the, the a lot of the older stuff. But ne- neither neither of us, Jesse, neither of us are married, I right? We, we could like go on for for days about Genichiro Tenryu. We are not. His, his amazing feud, his amazing jacket, his amazing feud with uh, Jumbo Saruta. Uh, how he started SWS with the eyeglasses guy. He started wrestling in romance. He he, wrestling he made in, Ultimo Dragon, SWS, the, the star SWS, that he is. Yep, SWS, yeah. Super World, Super World Sports. Yeah, owned by eyeglass go. company McGain Super. There you go. Uh, he had that awesome match with Satoshi Kojima in July 2002. I loved that match. Came back to all Japan all, in, in 2000 yeah, when Mitoko Baba called Japan him out the Korakuen wrestling. Hall. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> and neither of us are married. Moral correct. I mean, I think that's a direct line between yeah. uh, between people. No one who is married knows Jinichiro Tenryu. Um. Which is why I think, Brandon, if you ever get married, you should have a Tenryu-themed wedding. I think all the groomsmen should be wearing, uh, you know, Revolution varsity jackets. Um, mm-hmm. If I ever get married, this is 100% happening. So I will deliver brain busters to everyone at the wedding. This is the only way I'm getting married. Um, okay. But uh, that's uh, – that's for any, anything else about Forbidden Door there? Well, I wanted to point out, like you mentioned, like better than any other AEW pay-per-view. So Forbidden Door tickets went on sale like the same time almost as Double or Nothing. And Double or Nothing right now has 6,246 tickets distributed according to WrestleTix. So about half of what Forbidden Door um, And Forbidden Door is later. And Forbidden Door is a month after Double or Nothing. Um, so what does that does that tell us anything? Um, a, a theory I've heard is that Forbidden Door is a once a year special event. There is no other event that is like Forbidden Door on the wrestling calendar. Certainly not on the AEW calendar. So Forbidden Door, in some ways, has kind of become it hasn't. It's kind of become like the way WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble is, where people are going to go to that show every year and they don't care what the card is because it's a special once a year event and they kind of have an idea of what's going to happen on the show. Despite the fact there's only ever been one Forbidden Door show previously. 
as opposed to double or nothing, which is indistinguishable from the other three AEW pay-per-views besides Forbidden Door. There's no real difference between Revolution or Full Gear or All Out. Um, so it's kind of like Forbidden Door. It's not like AEW's flagship event, but I do think the has a unique element to it that makes it feel like a, a big annual event in a way, as opposed to a quarterly event, which is what the other AEW pay-per-views feel like. Um, and it's obviously a good I, I thing. I think for there's, me. there's, there's a novelty factor to it that, that is not present in any other, um, in any other, any other EW event. And I think it's kind of like thinking back to like the, the two thousands when all Japan and new Japan started working together. There, there was a genuine novelty in seeing that interpromotional interaction, what that would be like that, that is, you know, exceeds any single promotions own show. Right, and if we accept that there are a couple of thousand real hardcore New Japan Pro Wrestling fans in the United States who will fly to a major show featuring New Japan Pro Wrestling talent, um, that that adds you know an extra crowd of a couple thousand people that are going to go to that event as opposed to a regular AEW pay per view. Um, but I do think I talk when we talk about like establishing those big annual events like the strength of wrestlemania for wwe this and to, to a slightly lesser extent the royal rumble but having those annual events where you'll you've kind of you've been doing them for so long that there's a whole cycle of people maybe who don't watch wwe from may through december but tune in right around royal rumble time and watch up through wrestlemania and then to go on hiatus again and we pretty much see you know, business for WWE peaking during those months every single year. And how can, I think that's something that every wrestling company would want to have. They'd want to have these big signature events that they can build around every year and that have their, the name of the events has a, a level of brand significance to the fan base. But how do you establish that? I don't think AEW has really done that with any of their pay-per-views, again, because they all kind of feel the same, except for Bindor. Um you know, we, we saw Impact try to do Impact try to make everyone wants to have their own WrestleMania, right? Impact has tried this. They've tried it with Bound for Glory. Um, they've kind of shifted it a little bit more towards Slammiversary uh, in recent years, but Impact always was trying to find their, what's going to be our WrestleMania. Uh, ROH tried to find you no know, theirs. They always try to kind of promote Final Battle as their WrestleMania, and those never really took off. They never really felt that different than their other major pay per views. Yeah. Um, you can't just yeah. say this is the biggest show of the year. It, it has to actually feel to the fan base like it is the biggest right. show of the year. And, I think there's a, a period ass- even in, in WWE's history where WrestleMania was not that. If you think to, say, WrestleMania 1997 and WrestleMania 2003, I think neither of those WrestleManias were the most bought shows in their year among among the other pay-per-views. Hmm. I believe WrestleMania 13 is f- kind of famous for being the only WrestleMania that was not um, – I guess it would have been. I guess there are probably other years where other events would have been higher attended shows, just based on arena configuration. But there was a big like WrestleMania 13. I think like the Royal Rumble before WrestleMania 13 sold. Certainly, that's the Alamo Dome. I'm talking about pay per view buys, though. Um, Did Survivor Series have more pay per view buys that year? I will look. 
Because I, I feel like when you talk 1997, Survivor Series just overshadows WrestleMania. In history, certainly, yeah. but not probably not at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Survivor Series, we're talking about Montreal Screwjob yes. Survivor Series. We got to talk about buy rates now uh, rather than buys, but 0.89 buy rate for Survivor Series 97, Montreal Screwjob, WrestleMania 13.77. So Survivor Series yep. did outdraw. I mean, we're getting towards the end of 97. Maybe there's a greater popularity effect yeah. that's benefiting. We're talking about Steve Austin taking off <laughs> in a way. So WrestleMania 13 does outdraw. In the product Royal run. Rumble, Royal Rumble, San Antonio, Shawn Michaels, Sid, 0.70 versus WrestleMania 13.77 buy rate. But again, Survivor Series Montreal, 0.89. SummerSlam, 0.80. So it does better than WrestleMania. That's the Bret Hart Undertaker mm-hmm. uh, SummerSlam. Yeah, and and and, and as, we, as we go back further, there's like greater fluctuation in business, like WWE's business trends in the mid 90s to late 90s. Like you can talk early 97, WWE's business is in one place. Late 1997, business is kind of in a, another place. Early 1998, the business is in one place. Late 1998, the business is in another place um, as they kept going up. But I think the question I have is kind of how do you, how do you establish – a signature event as being your signature show. And like we saw with the impact and what we've seen with Ring of Honor, you can't just say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it for I WrestleMania like, is the venue, is you're doing it in a stadium. Right. But even before WrestleMania was always in stadiums, it's, it had a certain air to it. I think WrestleMania is the is you know the oldest continued pay-per-view that WWE has, the original show. The longest it's episode always, of pay-per-view. Longest right. running episode it's, of pay per view in history. It's yeah. a it's it's it was a, you know like an original brainchild of Vince McMahon. It's it's got that an iconic not steal name. from Dusty Rhodes. Yes, right. It's got an iconic name. It was anchored at the very beginning with, um, you know Hulk Hogan and Mr. T and Roddy Piper. And, uh, and really from the beginning, longer. it was it was closed circuit. You know mm-hmm. it it and then. WrestleMania, I think WrestleMania two is in you know, it definitely is WrestleMania two is in two locations, and then WrestleMania three, three is in, the biggest event WrestleMania ever. Is, WrestleMania two is in three locations. Three locations. Yeah, uh, yeah New York, Chicago, and um, I'm confusing it with uh, Star Kitty Five or something. Yeah. So they have. So so WrestleMania has this thing. The Royal Rumble is obviously an old event, but Royal Rumble is a is a, is has this wonderful gimmick match that everyone likes to see every year, um, and that has established kind of the Royal Rumble is kind of a special event that people will tune into, kind of no matter what. Um, other than that, I mean, Money in the Bank, I think for a moment, kind of had a, a similar kind of thing where the match was very interesting. So people were kind of in, more interested in Money in the Bank, and it kind of pushed its way into being maybe the fourth most significant show uh, of the year ahead of Survivor Series. I think the Money in the Bank gimmick has kind of cooled off in recent years, which has, has hurt it. Doesn't have doesn't seem to have the lasting power that the Royal Rumble has as far as having a gimmick match. But that's kind of how WWE's established it. And I would I wonder, and I don't I think Tony Khan's strategy with AW was to kind of have all four, we're only gonna have four pay-per-views a year. They're all gonna be very important. They're all going to have, you know, big blow-off matches because we're not gonna be doing all these B-level pay-per-views every month, like WWE does. And so and I think that's worked in the extent that all of the shows are all the AEW pay-per-views because they're only four of them feel big, feel important, feel significant, but they don't have that one big signature that, that can kind of anchor business. And 
I wonder if they're, that maybe they'd be better off trying to do that. And even if you can do that, because it's very difficult to do, WWE has decades of history that kind of allow it allow for them to do that. Um, I have a question. Do you think that AEW gives away too many murky matches on TV that could be used it, to build up their special event? Like the use of Shaq when you use Shaq, or like we, what we just saw with, with El Hio Divikingo versus Omega. In a previous era, perhaps, but not in this era where TV rights are so important. I mean, I get that. but Yeah, it's a, it, it, it is a balance, and I think you're right, Golo, in the sense that something like the Shaq match could have made a, a pay-per-view feel different. I think part of it is when you do quarterly pay-per-views to move the stories along you're gonna have to do big matches on tv and the reality is is that AEW could be a very successful company if they never did pay-per-views at all they just did television um because that's where the money is now um but yeah is there certain things that they could do to kind of um Spice. I mean, WWE at times, I think, has been victimized by the idea of we have to hold off on doing something because it has to happen at WrestleMania and a story gets colder because of that. We've seen that happen kind of plenty of times. Or, um, so it's not always like a perfect thing, but I, I do think that and, and I don't know how you do it once the kind of brand identity has been established with all of these shows, but. I don't know. Like, could you just pick ah, all out is now our WrestleMania? OK, how do you do that? I think it has to for for one one thing that might help. One, one thing that would help is doing it in a stadium. But I don't know. I, now is not the optimal time to try to run a stadium show for AEW. Maybe that time was in the in the summer or the fall of 2021. Um, but it's not right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But even then, that might only be one show. Like, say you you get you get a hot angle. Let's say CM Punk comes back and he's wrestling the elite or he's wrestling Kenny Omega. Um, which we're less confident in happening now than we were when we talked about it a week ago. But um, let's just say that because that's like a huge angle, right? And let's say they run – let's say they run that at Soldier Field at All Out this year. Is that the biggest – to get sidetracked for a second. Is the biggest money match that the, the AEW potentially has on the table if everybody cooperated in an ideal universe? CM Punk versus Kenny Omega? Probably. I think so. Yeah. Do you, do you – what do you think? I, I, yeah, I, I have to think about it, but I think so. Off the top of my head, yes. Yeah. Maybe something with CM. I don't know if a tag match would be bigger, but maybe something with CM Punk and the Young Bucks. Yeah, maybe a six-man versus and, yeah, Punk and FTR versus the Bucks and Omega. Yeah. yeah. Certainly there's yeah. money there. But yeah. typically singles matches tend to be bigger um, uh, than, than, than tag matches or things like that. But let's just – like I'm just hypothetically saying they, they have this hot angle and they, they run all out at Soldier Field. Does that really elevate all out to this new status of a show because they or is that just because they had a hot angle for that particular pay-per-view quarter um, and they were able to to, to, to run a stadium? Um, I, mean, I think that part of what makes WrestleMania a, a peak event brand is is the history behind it. And I guess the, the closest equivalent for AEW is is all in slash all out. But All Out has kind of become one of the four quarterly pay-per-views, not that distinct from any of the others. Um, I guess that's the one to, 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 to try to start to build up. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't have a, a difference. I guess the – so it, how would you make – okay, you do it once. It's a stadium. It's a big, big show, whatever. And then how do you, do, how do you continue that? I don't know. Continue to run it at a stadium. Continue to – continue to build your biggest matches t- towards right, that. Right. You run it event. as – And it would take years – 
perhaps of sacrifice to yeah. make sure that, that it becomes that big and maybe years of continuing to, to, to run it at a loss. It, is that worth it? I have no idea. Um, yeah, I think if the, if the business continues to succeed, yeah. Right. Well, like, but like if you're now suddenly you're, you're holding off on, uh, of finishing feuds at other shows because everything has to be geared towards all out. Um, or you're at least, you know, coordinating everything to culminate yeah. then. I think, you know, WWE has a, um, WWE established WrestleMania in the Royal Rumble kind of during a different era of, the business now the Royal Rumble has a match gimmick mm. um which is kind of different but um like Wrestlemania when Wrestlemania was first established like it was kind of during an era where like you kind of only need Hulk Hogan kind of only needed to do like two feuds a year so it was easy to do the bit finish it off at Wrestlemania because they didn't have weekly television and they didn't have all these other things to fill so it kind of naturally establishes Wrestlemania as this big huge event um you know, I don't. I don't know if WWE could establish WrestleMania in twenty twenty. Uh, you know, in, in twenty twenty three, if they were starting at Ground Zero, we know that they wanted to turn uh, Day One into a huge annual event. That was like a goal of Nick Khan's. Was Day One is going to be like another major annual pay per view for us? It's going to be in Atlanta every year, um, and they they did one show and then they didn't do it this year. So. Um, I think it would definitely be, it's a challenge in this environment to establish one big mega show. Um, I will say, uh, not in not in America, but obviously Wrestle Kingdom has has achieved this for New Japan, and that that's mm-hmm. been developed in the mainly in the 21st century as a sense of well, an it's, it's a tradition show. that goes back to '92 as well, but not, under different names, you could say. But it's right, January fourth show every yeah. year, Tokyo Dome. Since 1990, but even you know, like Wrestle Kingdom was like like dying, you know, yes. when the business was years, was dying. Yeah, twelve or thirteen years ago. Um, yeah. But and it's definitely picked up back up in importance um, in recent years. But they and and but and again, that's a different model. I mean, New Japan can afford to hold off on some major matches like that because, especially the the last few months of New Japan pro wrestling's calendar is not full of necessarily major shows that you need to have big title matches on. You can, you basically have one or two. Um, you have like King of Pro Wrestling and then you have the November show and that's pretty much it. Then you can just go to the Tokyo Dome as opposed to AEW. You'd have TV every week. You'd have to fill, you know, months of television to kind of lead up to a big show. It's just, I don't think it's, I think it's really difficult for them to establish that. Um, This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Don't forget, this is Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, so you can get my weekly, my nearly daily TV ratings reports on WAW, uh, and we'll have eventually catch-ups on Impact New Japan, WOW, MLW, uh, 
quarter hours as well. Uh, Thursday, we've been doing continuing to do the Thursday 30, not the Thursday 30, the WrestleNomics 30, because sometimes we won't, we'll have to do it on days other than Thursday. Uh, as the podcast for subscribers only, you get access to the viewership spreadsheet and the slides to this podcast. As well as speaking of live events, we have reports. Uh, we had a report this this week on the uh, just how much money AW's House Rules House Show made. It made just a hair under $100,000 in ticket sales. There's also a breakdown of any merchandise sales, which was fascinating to look at. Um, also on the website for free, there's I've been posting updates on the Luchasaurus lawsuit over over the intellectual property of, of the mask there um, and working on more right now, too. So I've got some merchandise numbers that are similar to the data that we looked at last, uh, last week. Um, is Cody increasing in his, uh, in his merchandise sales? Um, this data that I've been collecting from, I've been collecting data every day from WWE shop, from PWTs, from shop AEW. And I've taken all of the top 10 for each day and, and ranked, okay, who's in, whose items are most often in the top 10 and over the entire course of this time, which goes back to October or September, uh, Roman Reigns is number one, but what's, what's been happening in in recent weeks is Cody climbing here. He is, um, we've got, uh, what Steve Austin was doing really well around the three sixteen period where they had a lot of merchandise for him. John Cena popping back up. Um, but Cody is number two this week. Behind this is the entire week, right? Because we're starting in the nineteenth, which is which was what day of the week? Yeah. So this is this week. Cody is number two behind only WrestleMania branded things. So as we march towards WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes. This data would suggest that yes, Cody Rhodes is becoming a, a very strong merchandise seller relative to his peers. Um, in this, the the timeline really works well with his return at the Royal Rumble. Um, and new merch being rolled out, I'm sure, associated with the, with the Royal Rumble. And I know he has a new shirt that I think just came out. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he's a really big star for WWE. And his 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 year since coming to WWE from AEW, really, I mean, his injury is bad, obviously, but really couldn't have gone any better for him. Seems like. We'll see what happens at WrestleMania. But. And and when it comes to looking at numbers like this, as we all know, um, WWE, like all aspects of life, is a meritocracy. It's based on how hard you work. Everyone has the same opportunity. Um, as Nick Khan said, once people are treated humanely at WWE, as they should be. Um, and so if we look at the number of items that people have had, various talent have had available over this about mid-September timeline, where we're missing a few days back here in the fall. But other than that, I think since since the new year, at least, I did collect data every every day. And so here's the, the top five talents with the most items on WShop.com. And Roman Reigns has been number one and, and was number two before that, uh, just behind Steve Austin. But he's even more numbers. There's over a hundred Roman Reigns items that you can browse through and, and, and collect them all. Um, is, Steve this, Austin is, is this counting, two. is this counting bloodline merchandise as Roman Reigns merchandise? I think it is, but I looked this morning and I could not, I, I did not find in a quick scan. I'm sure if I went back further, I would find bloodline things that I assigned to Roman Reigns. I'm doing this in an autom- automated way, but all the, all the items that I see right now that are at least high, highly selling, you know, in, in the top 10 or so are, are things that have Roman Reigns in the, in the 
item description. Mm -hmm. But yes, this would include at least some bloodline. Do we know what happened to Bray Wyatt's merchandise after the Royal Rumble? Bray, Bray Wyatt's not in, not in here. Um, right. I have the, so he's, I'll, I'll look he, in a minute. He drops, he drops completely out of the top 10. Oh, you're talking about like in, in terms of Go how back. many times he appears? He's number two right. and he drops out of the top 10 in February. Right. So he just hits a wall. He go, he's, basic, he's basically a really strong merch draw for since his return, I think, right? Pro- probably. Um, he's probably in there every week almost. Um. And then he just stops. Um, and he's still number two. It's according to this grand total chart, despite not placing uh, for the last month. Let's um, look at the. I'm gonna bust out the spreadsheet itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I do that? So present. W- w- what's going on there? Is there still Bray Wyatt merchandise for sale? We, let, let's let's browse. So if we scroll back here, now we're looking at the actual Excel spreadsheet. So Bray Wyatt starts to appear. And I, I am missing some crucial days a, yeah. around his return, which are crucial, mm-hmm. where I imagine he was probably number one in this week and so forth. But anyway, he's number one after that for a while. Um, but we just don't have any any items in the last few weeks where, he's, yeah, where so one he's of his ba- items is in the top ten. He's basically top three pretty much every week from his return until really his Royal Rumble match. And then he hasn't been on TV really that much. And there's a, some uncertainty. It seems like there's some sort of medical reason why he hasn't been on television. His WrestleMania match seems up in the air um, with Bobby Lashley. Um, but his merchandise plummeting, I don't know if that's just solely because he hasn't been on TV. And so he's not selling merchandise, but it's, it's kind of strange to me that he has been, he, he, he does have some huge... some items that are here that are appearing, you know, well below the top ten. I'm just yeah. tr- checking to verify that he does have they haven't like taken all of his merch down. I would like to see how how much how many items if the number of items that he has has decreased over time. That would yeah. probably take too too much time to do live in the air here though. Um, and his, you know, his as has been said many times, his real value to WWE is that he's an excellent merchandise draw. So is it just a symptom? Is this just a symptom of him being and he's him cooling of off? I think everyone thinks that he's cooled off. I don't think that's a controversial opinion. So is this just a symptom of him cooling off? Um, is there more to it than that? It's, has he had merchandise pulled? Has he? Are they trying to phase him down for whatever reason? Uh, I don't know. Is, but is I Vince back and Vince, Vince has got an I axe think to think grind? Inter- I think it's interesting that he was a top merchandise draw and then he falls off a cliff. Uh, and he well, has been, when's the last time he's been on television? Was he on television during um, this period? So this is the week. Well, it of depends. It depends on what February twelfth. It depends on what you describe as on television because he has vignettes. Like he was, he had, he appeared on SmackDown. I don't know if he appeared on SmackDown this past week, but the week before that, like they they flashed something during like a Bobby Lashley segment or something, or Bray Wyatt's mm-hmm. face appeared for a second. So like, does that count as Bray Wyatt being on the show? Um. They kind of have stopped talking about his WrestleMania match that has not been promoted over the last like two or three weeks. Again, because it seems like it might be up in the air due to what has been mentioned and reported by both Dave Meltzer and Sean Rossap as some sort of physical uh, or medical issue. Yeah, the, uh, the last time we have – I'm looking at quarter hours on a different sheet that's off screen. The last time we have a quarter hour label that contains the string Bray is February 17th, which which lines up – pretty well with with what we're looking at here in terms of where he, he he falls off and of course there are other people on this list who have not been on television 
that are still placing highly. So it's not necessarily a, a direct correlation between you're on television, you can't sell merchandise because we have seen plenty of people, including things like the NWO, who have not been on television, but have managed to um, mm-hmm. crack into the top 10. So it is possible. Um, we have Steve Austin. Just, it's, and it's, a very noticeable, it's very noticeable on the spreadsheet that the guy who's number two in grand total hasn't placed in the top 10 in a month. <clears throat> okay. Um, we'll go back to the slides. How do I make that happen? Uh, I have to stop this and restart this. Okay. Chrome. Okay. So if we look at, and and by the way, I guess we could make a similar argument about, well, Cody's up and Cody's items are way up. There's now somewhere around 50, 60 Cody items uh, as he's emerged as one of these stronger sellers here uh, versus where he was previously, where he was, Mm -hmm. you know, around 40 and before that as low as 20 while he was before he He made his return. He he wasn't on TV. And were they making new Cody merchandise when he was uh, injured? Probably not. Maybe there was something here or there, but obviously he comes out and there's all this new merchandise, um, leading up to WrestleMania. So it's, it's mm-hmm. obvious why you see a big jump, but a lot, this was this, the, the top 10 who, what talent I, I've excluded all like the W branded stuff here, but what talent has the most items. And it's an, it's a, it's an overwhelming number of people who are no longer active wrestling talents, including, as we mentioned, Steve Austin, the rock, the generation X, the ultimate warrior, Undertaker, Eddie Guerrero, the only two, I think there's three active talents here, right? And that's Reigns, Lesnar, and Cody, who are among the 10 most items, the people with the 10 most items. Um, when it comes to AEW shop, or I should say shop AEW, um, I have this data gives me every reason to believe that the acclaimed have emerged as really strong merchandise uh draws um not in this week are they number one but they've been number one in a lot of weeks and they are often number one or number two if they're not number one they're number four in this week um the elite have have jumped up to to number two kenny omega is number one in this week uh, as he's come out with a new shirt or something um and if kenny omega get credit for the elite too i don't know this is like does your name appear in the in the item name Right, but practically speaking, he does, right? Like the elite can, elite merchandise sales can be attributed to Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. I would think he's getting royalties. He and the Young right. Bucks are probably the ones, are the three people getting royalties for those items. You don't think Brandon Cutler's getting a cut of that? Maybe he has a case. Um, and and who else per- performs well here? This again, this is over the course of the entire timeline that goes back to the fall, and it's the acclaimed, the elite, AEW branded things, MJF, Danhausen, FTR, no, no Orange Cassidy, remarkably here, where I think he's done well in in prior periods, but Danhausen really really does show up uh, as as among the leaders here in terms of people whose items appear in the top ten for shop AEW. Um, Briscoes did really, and did really strongly, you know, just after Jay Briscoe died. And what stands out to me is, you know, how strongly just AEW branded stuff seems to sell. Um, and for for all the talk about WWE being a company that like the brand is the draw, not individual. Well, in WWE, stars. that was the case too. I just excluded it from the table. Okay, that we're so just looking at so so WWE just 
just and I don't see like does WWE make a lot of like WWE merchandise like that just say WWE on it? You'd be surprised. Um, the way the way AEW does like AEW has all sorts of shirts and jackets and hats and all these things that are just like all elite wrestling. It doesn't I don't it doesn't seem like WWE produces a lot of that. So so this is just just what I collected this morning. Uh, men's Royal W Smackdown draft T-shirt. Um, W Championship Contenders boxer briefs. W Distress Logo Pullover, W Tribute Polo, W Logo Cuffs Knit Hat, W Champion Dad Shirt, WWE X Meek Mill Dreams vs. Nightmares Limited Edition T-Shirt. What the hell is that? W Distress Logo T-Shirt, Antigua Black Slash Red W Generation Quarter Zip Pullover. I could go on. There's there's like dozens more. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so people don't want to wear – So so people are not – and you're asking, do they rank highly? Uh, that that's a different yeah. question. Um, yeah. And I did exclude it from from that table for the W table that we were looking at because I'm trying to do, do like talent analytics here. I would I would have to take some time and and to to, to tell you do those things sell well, or we, maybe we could just look right now at the how many uh, site and how many see how, how much ranking highly. How much WWE merch do you own, Brandon? Of any kind. Do you own any WWE or AEW merchandise? I'm an unbiased journalist, so therefore I do not. I do not wear merchandise. Um, Gullo. <laughs> I have. I don't think I have any anymore. I, I had like a Rusev shirt and a Sasha Banks shirt, and but I've not worn. I mean, I don't think I own them anymore. Yeah, I have some like legend shirts that I got out of PWT, but, but nothing really WWE or AEW. I mean, I got some figures, WWE f- figures. I, I, I am blocked I, at the moment from the, from the W shop website. So we're having some trouble here. I'm trying to do it. They're listening. Because I've, I have, well, because I've, been <laughs> yeah. auto, I've been hitting their website in an automated way. So they're trying to block me. I can't get I it. have, I haven't, I haven't bought, I've never, I don't think I've ever bought any AEW merchandise. And I bought a WWE shirt. I had a Zack Ryder shirt in like 2010, um, which I believe is the only WWE shirt I've ever purchased. Um, I have the Tenryu shirt, which I'm pretty sure I bought off Redbubble, and I have. Did Tenryu get any royalties for that, or is that like like? For now, definitely not. Um, I uh, I bought a Kota Abushi shirt um, from a while ago, but I still have it. Um, and I, I have a Bullet Club zip up hoodie which i don't wear anymore due to uh too many comments from uh gun rights activists seeing it um but uh that's i mean people have talked about this a lot like wrestling merchandise and like what makes good wrestling merchandise um and for me it's uh i would buy more wrestling merchandise if the designs were more subtle in that they could give off a uh, people walking down the street wouldn't know it's a wrestling shirt unless they're a wrestling fan. But I feel like most of these are very garish, um, and they therefore unappealing to me as as, as someone who would actually wear a shirt like that in public. I'm trying on my phone to find best sellers with while using my cell data, it didn't work. Anyway, um, I can't tell you that I've been blocked. I can, I can tell you that I've been blocked by. Uh, this has happened before though. Uh, I, I will I will get past it, I'm sure. Anyway, if we look at Pro Wrestling Tees, it's a similar story. The acclaimed is number one um, over the, the entire time, of course, going back to the fall. Briscoe's are number two. MJF is number three, AEW brand. Uh, Danhausen, 
the elite FT, FTR, Mercedes, Monet, Kenny Omega, Sting are the, the 10. Yeah. The, and Mercedes really, Mercedes really peaking with like her matches, right? Her Wrestle Kingdom debut. And she's only been on here for a few months because yeah. she, she's not been on Pro Wrestling Tees before then. Um, and I think that's all I have for today. Is that true? I do. I, I have this like, uh, Bing AI chat thing I did about, and that's a SWOT analysis, but I don't know what I want to do it is I have, uh, conflicting feelings about, it. I'm not, I'm not sure it'll be interesting. So if you have anything, Jesse. I mean, I really don't. I think like the big thing I've noticed is the attendance for, for WWE going up. Um, kind of, what does that say about anything? It's going to be. It's going to make me think a lot about the Hall of Fame later, Brandon. Hmm. Make me think what regard? About well, I think that this year, I think Roman Reigns has proven that he can, he's really, WWE's business has really moved forward this year with Roman Reigns. You could argue that Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes are bigger, are more important to, to raising business, but like really Roman Reigns being at the center of WWE business is something that we haven't seen before, I think, from him with this kind of growth. And I think that's a big win for uh for 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 him for WWE booking um and, and and kind of yeah is it Sami Zayn yeah is it Cody but they probably all the reason Sami Zayn and Cody feel as important as they do is because they're they're confronting this villain who's been at the center of WWE for so long now now when you say hall of fame you're talking about the most prestigious hall of fame in all of wrestling which is the WWE hall of fame uh, that the, the ceremony correct. this Friday correct Correct. The Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Fame that I have a vote for. Uh, the Hall you of vote, fame you vote in the in the W Hall of Fame. Uh, no, I said that's no. I no. I have a worthless vote in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. I'm talking about the the the, the Hall of Fame that Vince McMahon decides on all inductees by the time he. Do you think Vince is still solely up. deciding? Is just to Triple H so, take over so, that? So 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 for the record, I was being sarcastic. I was talking about the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Yes. But in terms of the WWE Hall of Fame, you know. Uh, Dave said that he thinks that like Andy Kaufman's induction is a sign that Triple H is making the decisions on the Hall of Fame now because Andy Kaufman's someone that Jerry Lawler always petitioned to to, to wanting to to get into the Hall of Fame, um, but Vince has always been resistant to it because it, it has nothing to do with WWE at all and it's, it's pre you know it's a celebrity association that doesn't associate itself with WWE itself, right? And it's it's kind of a prehistory. Um, it's that Memphis wrestling, right? Um, so is this a sign that Triple H makes it, making the decisions for the Hall of Fame? Maybe is it a sign that maybe Jerry Lawler's recent health scare um, has uh, has maybe softened up the, the opinion on it? But and also like the Hall of Fame just doesn't have many good candidates. So who's accepting the the Hall of Fame for Andy Kaufman? I don't know. Is Andy Kaufman making Somebody, his return to public life? I um that would that would be Tony Clifton's gonna <laughs> accept it. Yeah, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey as as Andy Kaufman. Um, hologram Andy Kaufman. I mean, I assume he probably has some family. That's uh, I don't know if he had any children, but you know he could have had brothers and nieces or nephews or something like that. Okay, um, is Roman Reigns a Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame Hall of Famer? I think his case is a lot stronger now than it was when we voted last year. You Just based on two we're episodes. now seeing... Two episodes ago, I believe. Is Roman Reigns a draw? 
we discussed it. Uh, Chris Gullo, I have to apologize for him. He thinks Orange Cassidy and, yeah, um, and people like that are bigger draws than Reigns. Reigns. Uh, apparently, that's what people heard on the recording. So that's some of the feedback he got. Look, look you could, you could, we can, we can, you can analyze this closely and say, "Oh, well, Cody is drawing these people. Sami Zayn is drawing these people." Roman's on the show and he's not doing anything or, you know, when Roman's there, Roman's not there. It's not a big difference. But I do think I think in the, the macro sense, Roman as the central villain in WWE yeah. deserves recognition for helping Cody and Sammy reach a new level. If if Sammy and, and Cody were feuding with Baron Corbin or, you know, Judgment Day or, or like a lesser heel group then i don't think they would be nearly as popular so he deserves credit for that i'm not saying i'm going to vote for roman reigns there's a much long there's a much larger discussion that comes with all this including like the the attrition based stuff but i think for the first time in his career we're really seeing massive positive business trends um and he well, deserves he's the biggest, credit while he's the biggest star yeah um, yeah, he's the biggest I, star in the company. He's the biggest star in you wrestling. At, you can look at SmackDown's ratings in particular, which have performed better, mm-hmm. have performed better than, than Raw ratings. And why is that? I think one of the, I think the mo- the biggest factor is the creative around Roman Reigns on that show, and they're on network television. Um, when I say better, not not I'm not yeah. just talking about the fact that the viewership is higher, but the the ratings year over year have improved to a greater degree Correct. for SmackDown Correct. than for Raw. Correct. And it, that is that is the bloodline. That's Sami Zayn. That's that's Cody Rhodes. Like, uh, or it's not as much Cody because he's only appeared on SmackDown intermittently. But I think that look, I am a, I am a a chief Roman Reigns disrespecter. So I don't say these things like. <laughs> this this, this also, is a big peace offering that's happening right here. Well, I, well, I'm just being to me. I'm being logical, and I'm looking at the data, and I'm saying this is what's happening. Yeah. So I, you're be, you're be being an objective say, star raider. Yeah. I will be the first to say. I already said today. I don't really like the bloodline angle. Like I think it's boring. I think it's gone on way too long. I think it's redundant. I think everything week to week is almost the exact same. And this central storyline is just Roman doesn't trust the people around him, and it's been going on for three years, and I'm ready for it to end. But that's just my personal opinion. But looking at it from a business perspective, it's obviously a huge success. It's obviously getting a lot of fans interested in the product. It seems to have had a positive impact on like 1834 numbers, which is something that WWE was missing for a long time. Obvious that right now that angle is doing very well for WWE. And that helps Roman Reigns' Hall of Fame case. Um, and it helps, you know, make the decision to elevate Roman Reigns to this level above everyone else on the roster, which probably cost popularity at certain points in WWE's history. It makes that decision a little bit easier to tolerate now that we're seeing some of those benefits. Yeah. I I think at this point, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Roman Reigns is WWE's most valuable individual talent based on what I see in TV ratings and based on other things that I that are not as as real numbers, but are 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 suggestive and supportive to that notion, including these merchandise numbers that we were just looking at, including YouTube and Google Trends as well. Um, and I think the point against him is, well, how much did that opportunity cost of pushing him for so many years as hard as they did? That was a big cost. Um, it has what we can't say is that despite that huge push, he's still not producing. 
because now he is. Right. And and, and I, I assume he was producing fairly well for him before now as well. But he certainly, again, and there's no doubt in my mind that he is W's most individual, most valuable individual talent. Correct. Certainly full time. Yes. And availability is a big part of that, right? Like he's been. Well, you know, I'm really interested to see if he if he if he loses at WrestleMania, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion he's going to lose. I think he will. I think that's. I think I, I would say Cody is the favorite. I think it's a good thing that people are. I think it's a good thing that some people believe that Roman Reigns is going to win because that helps make the match more exciting. As yeah, opposed it's to uncertain for sure. But yeah. I think I think I think C- Cody's charm tour has uh, right. has has earned it. If he loses, if he loses, you know, will he take a lot of time off? What happens then to WWE business if he's not around? If he doesn't work a lot of any of the pay per views until like SummerSlam? Um, and then who will be, who is going to be the face of WWE if Roman morphs more into like this late career John Cena stage of his career where he's maybe wrestling four or five matches a year, but, um, someone else is going to have to be like the, the, the default face of the company. And who will that person be? Will it be Cody? Will it be Sami Zayn? Probably, probably not going to be Sami Zayn. Um, if anything, it's age related. It'll be Braun Breaker. It'll be, I think be Cody else. for a bit, assuming he stays healthy. I, I yeah, I think Cody is is a good choice, but Cody almost to me, to me, Cody is almost. I think Cody like will like be a heel a year from now. Um, he's a different type. Cody to me isn't a top. He, I think Cody is a top wrestler and a top name and a top guy. But I don't necessarily see Cody as like the top babyface the way like John Cena was. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think Cody is a much more uh, nuanced character in a lot of ways. And that kind of the appeal is that he can be a babyface or a heel. And I think that will be used at some points to help a, another wrestler get to a, a new level. I mean, I th- they're, they're, they seem to be about to get really strongly behind Cody Rhodes at an, at an age where he's the same age as me, so like 37. So he's not nearly as young as John Cena was when they got behind John Cena. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be this, this you know, dri- drive the ship for, for all these years, but at least for a time and until... They- yeah, I mean, post-WrestleMania for sure, Cody, if he, especially if he wins, is going to be the top baby face. But like the whole Roman Reigns push... 10 years ago was because WWE was thinking long-term and was thinking about who is going to be our replacement for John Cena. Who's going to be that person that we're going to have headline WrestleMania as the baby face every year. And to be clear, um, it's, it's not as if Roman Reigns is going away. Maybe he'll take no, 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 but, but some months, need... but he'll have matches this year. Right, right, WrestleMania. right. But we saw that, like, it's not like John Cena went away when Roman Reigns replaced him, but Roman Reigns replaced him as the top baby face from like a week to week function standpoint. Um, and who is that person going to be? I'm not bullish on uh, a lot of their prospects. So will that be maybe someone from AEW that comes over that's maybe younger? Is that the elevation of someone we haven't even seen before? Um, those are those are major questions that I think we'll have to get answers to maybe over the next year. Yes. We'll see whose contract expires. Okay. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Plugs? We, well, we got yes. Super Chat. Oh, we have Super Chats? Yeah, we, oh, we, do. we have okay. Super Chat, yes. Okay. All right. So this is from Contrasoma. Uh, any thoughts 
RE fight Bruce Lord. plus as a loss leader slash OTT service. Is there a long-term risk in changing perceived cost of GCW uh, Mania Weekend like the network did for Mania? Uh, maybe even for non-fight GCW-associated pay-per-views? I, th- I think the little that we've seen from Triller... I would have to look. I think we even got a breakout of a fight itself. Anyway, I don't, I don't believe that that fight is profitable and I don't think that they expect to be, it to be that profitable. I think this is all an investment towards the future. Like a lot of, like every, like almost every streaming service is except for Netflix. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's a, it's a good question whether, you know, what it, they must think it's the better strategy because it's what they're doing as far as, making these events that used to be pay-per-views, not pay-per-views. Some of them are still pay-per-views. The bigger events like the Impact and the New Japan are pay-per-view events that you have to make a single purchase to watch. But a lot of these events, uh, including the GCW events, which you mentioned, are are part of that subscription service um, with the hope that people stay. Um, I think you can sign up for a trial, and I, and I might sign up for a trial to see some of these events for, for WrestleMania weekend. Um, you have thoughts on this, Golo? Are you, in, are, you, are you in the, in the clusterfuck this year? I, I am not. Uh, uh, is there a clusterfuck this year? I, I, there hasn't been one announced. I believe there is a, a, a the It's, it's late in the show, so we, so we can say clusterfuck without yes. getting one, one thing I do notice is that there is less events this year. Did that maybe have something to do with it? Like, usually I think they run an average 12 events in the three-day collective, and I think there's eight or nine, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, but I, I think... I mean, yeah, the free trial thing throws a wrench, but I think it's a good business idea because it is getting people to subscribe that. Then they can go to the previous content. I mean, it's it's something Fight's been doing for a while. They did it with WrestleCon. They did it with, uh, you know, when they do the Star, uh, Star, um, not Starcades, uh, Starcast. Starcast, Starcast events. And I mean, we don't know the numbers on those, but I mean, we seem to be doing all right. But, and I don't think Fight is carrying anything non collective related that weekend but it could be wrong oh no they are yeah they're doing the yeah they are impact in new japan yeah which is running the same time as the ddt versus ucw event yeah and then they got some of the podcasts what what do we do we know i don't know if we know this but what do you believe is the out of everything they have on fight not just wrestling what what do we believe is like their biggest drawing act Probably the biggest programming. Probably the boxing events with celebrities, like or like those. You know, I even think the Pauls fight are on fight. Like Logan Pauls had fights on fight. Jake too, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did Did you rule out AEW there? Oh, well, yeah, because it's internationally, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, but AEW, but I would AEW imagine that like a, a service. I'm a Jake Paul fight does bigger numbers than AEW. I'm, I'm it certainly did at its peak. Yes, it certainly did yeah. at its peak. And I, I I tend to believe you know there's tens of thousands of subscribers, maybe like a hundred thousand even you know, for for AEW Fight Plus. And remember, this internet internationally, so it's not really domestic unless people are using VPN. But I think that's an extreme minority. Um, and Supercard Honor is that is that just Honor Club uh, membership? That is on Friday, and I do not see. Oh, it is. It is on fight. It is on fight. Okay. Zero hour is, but I only see zero hour. I'm sure we can figure this out very quickly. I mean, we haven't talked really at all about WrestleMania weekends. Um, I guess we don't really know what the ticket sales are going to be for a lot of these smaller indie shows, or, um, but 
it definitely fe- it definitely feels like WrestleMania weekend probably peaked a few years ago, and ever since the pandemic kind of canceled it, I think um, has hasn't quite gotten uh, back up to speed. It seems like Dallas was oversaturated last year. There was maybe too many events. It did. There's definitely less events this year. There's still a lot of shows, uh, but not a lot of the like Black Label Pros not there. AIW is not there. A lot of your standard super indies, if you give them mm-hmm. a term. Your larger indies. Yeah. That, like, I think Prestige is yeah. like the only non GCW super indie that's there. Other than that, it's a lot of California based mm-hmm. independents. Yeah. That's interesting. And does that, is there less, does that mean less talent is coming in? I mean, you have. It's not less talent. talent. It's not less talent. I'll yeah. tell you that because there's yeah. a lot of Prestige, like, with the amount of Japanese talent and Lucha Libre yeah. talent that it can it's easier to get to Los Angeles than on the East coast. Yeah. There's a lot of talent. Now. And, and you'll have, you know, ring of honors there in new Japan and impact are running their joint show. So you have like some, you have larger shows in addition to like things like the Joey Jenna spring break and the yeah. larger GCW shows. Um, I mean, you're going to have many members there. of DDT there, many members of new Japan. So like, I think the mm-hmm. talents there. Oh, and um, uh, T- TJPW is doing a show too, I believe as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, it looks like you can you can get the Ring of Honor pay per view on Fight. I, I take it worldwide based on what I'm reading on on the, the Ring of Honor website, which does not mention Bleacher Report. I don't think. So if you're, yeah, it does not mention Bleacher. So Report. if you're Fight, so you're almost fight. counteracting yourself. Yeah, you're basically basically getting all the GCW events for a ten dollar membership, but you're gonna hope you know gonna make buys on that New Japan Impact and the Ring of Honor show. So. It, it, WrestleMania weekend has peaked in the sense of of what in terms of buzz, in terms of match quality, or in terms of actual revenue. It's not match quality. It's probably buzz and revenue. I mean, you think the match quality is still still I, as good as it was I mean? Have ago? you seen that list of Mike Bailey matches? I want to see all of them. <laughs> like you know, like I don't no, know. No, I know the match. The match quality. The match quality to me is is going to be significantly less. I was not impressed okay. with what I saw last year compared. I mean, you have, and, and and this is just the reality of indie wrestling and the reality of like contracts. Like if we go back in time, and uh, like AEW didn't exist, so you had a lot more of the AEW talent on these weekend shows, uh, and you know lesser New Japan talent. I'm like. You, you, this is something I, I kind of try to bring up to, to Mike Weber. Like, do you do you feel that indie wrestling is still as strong as it was before? And and I mean, naturally, the guy selling this says no. I think it's it's never been stronger. You know, I think that there and, and part of it to me is just the 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 what has become popular in indie wrestling um, and the vibe with that it seems like a lot of these shows have not all of them, not all of them. I want to stress that is not like what I like. I'm going to go out of my way to see. Well, I'm not a huge deathmatch guy, and that seems to be uh, has become a bigger and bigger anchor for for these kind of weekends. And I'm not a big comedy um, gimmick heavy guy, and that's all another kind of thing that's kind of because those are the things that are resistant to WWE and AEW and New Japan becoming more aggressive with talent because they're not going to sign a lot of the key deathmatch guys, and they're not going to sign a lot of the more gimmick-based wrestlers. Um, so that's the talent that's kind of left, and that's the talent that kind of has gotten over to a degree, and you see a lot of them on these shows. I, I watched, I watched, I've watched, i been watching 16 Carat 
this last week, and I've just I watched the first two nights, and I'm yes, and I know this is this is Europe, but I was watching the first nights, and I was like, man, like WXW, like they've got they've got some interesting younger talent, but and I was like, this is a far cry. Yeah, I'll give you when they had Volter and they had Zack Saber Jr. and they had you know those guys. Than, than what they have now. It just it's it's if the the landscape is different, and the talent necessarily the talent that would have talent doesn't have ten years to, to to be big stars in the indies. If you're really good, you get signed quickly, and so that hurts. Well, I mean, I in a lot of cases, if you look at a lot of these shows, though, the bigger names are people are really under contract. Whether it be New Japan, Impact, I mean, there is mm-hmm. some Ring of Honor, like I, a Mike like, Bailey, yeah, talent that are doing these shows. So it's, I mean, if you know, we're talking 11 months out of the year, 11 months and 29 days. I would say that, yeah, the independents like have definitely lost our power, but they get it WrestleMania weekend because those guys that work for major promotions work those shows. So I don't, I, I, I will say this Dallas didn't have as many big marquee matches, but I've noticed in LA there is less deathmatch stuff. Like GCW doesn't have a lot of deathmatch stuff announced, which is very interesting. And they're not really doing the student shows with JCW. Well, not student, but. You know the younger talent shows of JCW and LA Knights. It's early fights, yeah. Yeah, for for GCW, I will watch Bloodsport, and I will probably watch Spring Break. That's that's uh, probably the extent yeah. of my GCW watching. And then I will I will probably watch uh, I'll watch the Impact and New Japan show, and I'll watch the Ring of Honor show, and then I will probably pick one non GCW related, maybe a, a collective indie show. Uh, to watch as well, and that, that's probably what I'm gonna what I'm gonna watch. But is I think some like of this having... on IWTV. Um, Prestige will be on IWTV. Yeah. So the collective is all for, yeah. Prestige, which that that card looks good, and I'll probably check that out, especially if you have IWTV membership. And mm-hmm. there's what the Hitchcock Memorial. Yeah, that's always that's always a good show. It has a sure comedy in it too, that's... but there's usually good yeah. matches too. Yeah, that's a, that's the show I'll probably check out. Is uh, is Sup gonna be there? Subgraphs? No, no. Southern Underground no, Pro? No, that's the thing about the collective this year. It's GCW yeah. shows with the exception of Santino Bros. And then you know, you have your GCW Jason shows like For the Culture mm-hmm. and Effie's Big Gay Brunch. But there's no there, – it's just uh, – well, and DDT is doing a show. Um, but yeah, for, yeah. For, for the most part, it's just Santino Brothers and GCW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, – but I, th- I think, like you know, like I think the indies in general, um, the the we're now in like phase two of of the U.S. indies. If phase one was like from two thousand. I guess phase one you could go back to the nineties, but post ECW, post WCW, phase one is like your Ring of Honors um, and your CZWs, which are both still around but in different forms, and then companies like Jakara and Evolve. And I just think that's the kind of independent wrestling that I kind of grew up with. And what exists now is different. Um, yeah. And it's not as appealing I, I, to me. You know, my, my, my belief that I've, I've said many times is that I think the indie wrestling in, in let's say, the, the early 2010s and the, the late 2000s was full of talent that was not properly evaluated by the wider industry that is the bigger promotions including wwe and from about 2014 onward 
that talent set got more properly evaluated and, and are, are largely signed now both by WWE yeah. because Triple H woke up and by AEW, which launched. Um, right. Like the concept, like I was talking, like I just mentioned with WXW, like the idea that someone like Walter would just be like great for 10 years and not signed anywhere wouldn't happen now. Kevin, Kevin Steen, everyone knowing that Kevin Steen is this very extremely talented wrestler and he's just in Ring of Honor for 10 years, you know, not getting a look at, at by WWE or, or even Impact. And, and like, I, I just, suggested that that talent who are being, who are, you know, released from their, their major company like WWE are maybe evaluating that the indies are, are a less worthwhile place to work into because it's not, you know, we had a, how many people who were released in 2021 and, and probably more in, in, you know, additional talent in 2022. And how many of those have gone on to work the indies? Very few. I mean, there's yeah, very, very few, few. Matt Cardona's yeah. who have, you know, who, who have taken it up and said, all right, I'm, I've, I've been cut, but I'm going to go out there and, and make a huge there's, run on the indies. Very, right. there's a bigger discussion in, in on that, though. It's like how they come up. They're former athletes. They're, they weren't on the independence before. Like, their bodybuilders, their fitness models. I, I, I think it's, and in a lot of their cases, there's an AEW to scoop them up. Yeah, and if they're if they don't go to AEW, they just go on to move on to other things because I mean, they like I said they weren't there are there are options yeah. in addition to the indies for them. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't do independent wrestling before you got signed, the chances of you going to do independent wrestling are, I mean, Mojo Rawley never did, Nia Jax never did. They, you know, right. It's a. It's a um, if you grow, yeah. If like all you see is WWE and nothing else, then the appeal of the indies, because you're not gonna, depending on who you are, like you're not gonna make money. Yeah. You're not gonna make worthwhile money. Well, Brandon, and I can tell you, it's a different lifestyle. <laughs> like, 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 right. And if you're used to coming from WWE, like, let's say yeah. Mojo, like Mojo Rawley is an example of someone. Like Mojo Rawley is not going to make a ton of money on the indies. Um, someone like Cardona who really hustles and I think has like a, you know, a, a level of drawing power. He probably does make works a lot. So he probably does make money off the Indies. Yeah. He's um, yeah. He, he does well, <laughs> but he's, he's going to Patreon too, I think. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 but he, but, but a lot of these people are not going to make a lot of money doing the Indies. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a and is there less money in the Indies than there used to be? Are there less, Again, the the end of like evolve. Um, there are less in, in Ring of Honor becoming a you know selective of who they're going to sign and things like that. And having I think it's for, like, as far as like making money, I don't think Evolve was a place where people made money as much as they got exposure that was valuable. Right, and they were, and then they worked local indies that most people have never heard of, and that's right. where they that's where they made you know several hundred you, dollars in a booking. Okay, okay, I should have had this prepared. This is this is unrelated, but Dave reported that an indie in Ohio drew like forty five hundred people to a show. I saw a lot of tweet week. about this. Yeah, it was um, it was a, a nostalgia show. I'm trying to think who was on it. it I think it, Steve was, made an appearance. It was like big time wrestling. So it's Bobby Fulton's Fed. I think if I'm if okay, I'm it was big time wrestling. Yeah, yeah, but it's the other. There's two big time wrestlings. There's yes, I know. Yeah, so. Right, but uh, I I don't know. I haven't seen any video or photographs or anything. Like but that. but it I'm was a nostalgia show. But then, like you know, 
that's a huge that's bigger than some yeah. dynamite cracks. how much does nostalgia really draw on the indies too like that's a rarity because i think like we're kind of getting out of the era of the 80s and 90s stars you need them to draw a big crowd it always depends on the, I think it depends a lot on the indie and it yeah. depends on what kind of star you're bringing in. Are you bringing in, you know, Tony Atlas or are you bringing yeah. in Bret Hart? I can tell you being on the yeah. Northeast, I've been on more shows with Brutus the Bar Beefcake and Tony Atlas than most people. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> right. So there's a level of, of nostalgia and where you're drawing, you know, like rock and roll express that probably still draws in certain parts of the country, yeah. you know, bringing them in. Um, and you know, some people wrestle and some people don't, uh, it, but so yeah, I, well, I'm talking I, about before we we get off of that the uh, the Ohio show. I'm trying to find my my conversation with Bobby, where he 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 tweeted, and I'm I'm struggling to find it. But that you know, the, if you look at the, he found like the map of the gym that they ran and the capacity as well under what somebody claimed the attendance was. It's like it was also a convention half. too, right? Yeah. It was like well, a convention slash show. Like most of those guys didn't wrestle on the show, so yeah. They were wrestling, yeah. Like I, my my big question, Brandon, was with that reported figure. I was like, where were they running? Because they would have to have run in a fairly large venue. Like it would be bigger than the venue that AEW ran their house show in Troy, Ohio, in for sure. If they actually drew that attendance, and it, it was in Ohio in March, so it probably wasn't outside. So it has to be some level of indoor venue. So you'd have to be in like a, you know, a, a smaller college basketball arena or minor league hockey arena or something like that. And they were in some town in Ohio I've never heard of before. So I'd be, I was just, I, that was the number one thing that jumped in my head. It was like, well, where did they run? Because it wasn't like they were running at, you know, the, the, the. No, okay. a big building it seems like but so i don't the, know the capacity they were running at, at, at a gymnasium in ohio bobby fulton's world-class professional professional big time wrestling group drew, drew the largest indie crowd this is the report drew the largest indie crowd of the year 4,327 in jeez shilly ohio for a legends yeah. meet and greet show yada yada all right and, th- and then lavi uh the shoemaker center the Shoemaker Center is the name of the location. And then Lavi Margolin uh, found the map that says the capacity. Again, remember, the, the attendance was supposedly 4,327. The capacity of this gym that they ran was 2,200. Yeah. I, I, I will show you what, what, to me, what I'm looking Shoemaker at here. Center. Count the parking attendance. Count the concessions, Dad. Like... <laughs> I, I think I told him. It does, did, did, yeah. did they count? Did you count everybody in the neighborhood, including the houses that were empty where no, no one was home? You can get to it that way. All right. yeah, it appears to be like a a D like a D two or D three maybe college basketball gymnasium. So, it seems very similar to the kind of college gymnasium that they had at my school. Which is probably about where, where was this number reported? Past. It was in the Observer, just in like the here or there, and and Dave even said it reportedly drew that number. So I think Dave was skeptical of it himself, but he did publish it, uh, and it's it seemed very high. I mean, they there will be like lucha shows that run in like Laredo, yeah. Texas, that will draw like that many people. You know, they'll bring in like El Hijo del Santo or like these these big Mexican stars. Um, so those tend to be the biggest indie shows of the year. I thought that was a huge, um, 
it that'd seems, be a huge. It seems the best indies though draw like five hundred. That seems to be the number. Like the, the really <laughs> successful. Like I think they even like AAW. I know had a sold out crowd. I think it was probably higher than five hundred this past uh, this past weekend too. But I think that seems to be the number. Mm. That's the see I'm referencing. Does he have a photo too? I think so. He says based on the venue and the photo. There we go. But there's the photo of the venue for people watching on YouTube. All right, so there's clearly a lot of people, but there is there's a lot of people. It looks like about two thousand people, not four thousand. Yeah, no doubt this was a big indie crowd. Four thousand? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Smold Carney numbers being passed around. Okay. Anything else before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, the Tokyo, if the Tokyo, the Tokyo Dome has a capacity of 75,000. 70,000 for the Inoki final. final. Then, then maybe that building does have a, a, a capacity of... Hey, I, 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 I drew thousands of people to the fire hall in my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to be working Forbidden Door, Brandon? Working? No. Why would I You're be not working gonna Forbidden have a, Door? W- you're not going to have a a, a a pre-show, a buy-in match with Yuji Nagata on the show? <laughs> no. No, I don't think that's happening. Okay. Uh, Gentlemen's Wrestling Podcast. That's my podcast. You can find it uh, uh, on any 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 place you find your podcasts. Um, it's also on YouTube, but you can find it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Podcasts. Um, talk to Trevor Dame. We talked about CM Punk and kind of reflecting on CM Punk's exit from from AEW uh, back at the All Out Presser. Obviously, a lot has changed since we recorded that podcast. Um, but if you want to hear, but a lot of it is still relevant. So if people want to listen to that, they can check us out. Um, ever since we joined the Voices of Wrestling Network, things have really taken off for the show. I believe we were we're, we're well into the top 100 wrestling podcasts on Chartable and on some of the other lists. I think we might have peaked in the 30s for one of our episodes. So things are going pretty well. Uh, for, for, for us over the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast. So if you want to check that out, uh, you can find it, like I said, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay. I mean, the same old, same old with me. I mean, I'll be uh, this Saturday, I'll be in Elmira uh, appearing at a WrestleMania watch-along party, uh, taking some pictures, signing some autographs, and uh, announcing some live demonstrations. <laughs> what, what are you trying to say? <laughs> This would be live demonstration matches. Live demonstrations, not matches. Live demonstrations. Okay. Yes. Um, Chris Gull's views and, and activities not not necessarily <laughs> represent those of WrestleNomics LLC. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will talk to you t- next week, Sunday at 11 a.m. Gull will not be here, I believe. I will not. It'll just, just be me and Jesse, I assume. Are you, and- are you working the weekend, Gull? Well, uh, WrestleMania weekend? No, well, I'm doing that that appearance at Elmira. I think we're staying overnight, so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we'll be here we'll, with night one in the books of WrestleMania, and we will discuss whatever there is to discuss in the world of wrestling business, which I'm sure will be substantial. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>